Hello and welcome back to Spotlight on Women in Health Ventures, the podcast powered by Thea, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering women as entrepreneurs in healthcare. Kristen Apple is a healthcare leader and brand strategist and is the president of Linus, an insights strategy and innovation consulting firm that helps companies in health, wellness, and life science industries. She's worked on the client side and as an advisor to the world's largest consumer healthcare, pharmaceutical, and CPG companies for over 20 years. Prior to Linus, Kristen built and led the healthcare vertical at Egg Strategy, a global brand and innovation consultancy, where she focused on uncovering insights, guiding strategy, and fueling innovation for the world's largest brands. Her interest in health and wellness started when she spent six years at Eli Lilly, launching five blockbuster drugs on different roles in the sales and marketing divisions. Kristen received her MBA from the University of Colorado and her undergraduate degree from the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. Thank you, Kristen, for joining us today. Um, I would love to start at the beginning of your career to kind of discuss how you first got into the field of healthcare and wellness. Sure. So um, one of my first jobs out of college was working at Eli Lilly, and I spent five and a half years at Lilly in the sales and marketing division, starting in sales and um, working across their primary care portfolio of products. I really had an opportunity to understand um, the impact that health and wellness and healthcare makes on people's lives. I loved my time at Lilly. Um, I had such great training, such great leaders, and it really helped formulate um, and set my trajectory for the rest of my, or so far, the rest of my career. That's great. Um, and when you were there, kind of what were you kind of doing there and what kind of drugs did you work on? Yeah, so I worked across their primary care portfolio. I spent a lot of time um, in neuroscience, so depression, anxiety, ADHD, also bipolar disorder, and then a big focus on women's health and osteoporosis. So I started as a sales rep on the North Shore of Boston, uh, carrying the bag, as many of us like to say, and then spent time based out of Indianapolis uh, working in um, brand marketing with the Salesforce operations team and helping launch Salesforce specifically as we prepared for big launch, uh, big launches when I was there. And how did these experiences inform what you're doing today? Yeah, so really as, as the foundation for what I'm doing today and understanding how healthcare decisions are made, you know, what it's like to be a clinician, what it's like to, to be a scientist and develop drugs. Lily really served as an excellent training ground for me to understand the healthcare system at the time, and then um, use that as the building blocks of, you know, sort of formulating what I learned in business school when I got my MBA, and then then as a consultant for the past 15 years. Yeah. And so now that you're president of Linus, can you describe what it is and what kinds of consulting you do and for what kind of companies? Sure. So at Linus, we help leaders make transformative decisions. So what that means, a big lofty statement, is that we are an insight, strategy, and innovation consultancy that specifically focuses on the life science, health, and wellness industry. So the types of companies that we work with are all the way from technical life science, all the way through consumer wellness. 
So any decision really that's regarded or related to someone's health, we are we help um, leaders make decisions about those moments. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And how do you kind of go about doing the consulting? Yeah, that's that's also a good question and one that many people ask. It sounds pretty left, um, but what happens is clients come to us with big, tough questions, whether that be uh, we have a product launch coming up in two years or we're not sure what's happening with the, with the future of academia, specifically as it's related to research. Or, you know, how do we innovate and create the next, next solution in allergy care or allergy wellness? So it often starts with a big question. And from then, we develop what our project approach might look like to help the clients that we work with, leaders in, in life science, healthcare, and wellness, make those decisions. And so what's the process of developing this, like a a strategic plan and kind of consulting or managing a brand? Sure. So everything starts with insight, whether that be doing interviews. And when I say insight, um, what that means is understanding what that target market wants or needs. So if that's a, a consumer, if it's a clinician, if it's a scientist, What's on their mind? Why why do they think, feel, and do what they do? And so depending on the types of questions that are asked, uh, we will do primary qualitative research um, and quantitative research to really understand what's at the heart of that issue. And then from there, we, we go into, depending on the project, an innovation session, an ideation session, some sort of strategic work session with our clients to help use that insight to help them make transformative decisions. And then how, like, what's the process of further, I guess, getting into more details, like how much time do you spend with the existing structure of the company? Or do you start with the bottom of the workforce or go to the top management? And like, what types of information do you gather from the companies to help you kind of figure out your next steps? Sure. So a lot of the work that we do are is focused on C-suite as well as um, directors and above. So depending on Um, the type of client or the type of project that we're getting, we're working with leaders of the company. And um, what the output looks like is typically some sort of presentation with strategy as well as qualitative and quantitative data, recommendations for action. And from there, we help guide them on their next steps. You have expertise in brand management. What exactly does this mean in the area of healthcare? And can you speak, maybe give an example related to women's healthcare? Sure. So everybody thinks, a lot of people think that brands are just a logo or colors or just a word. And brands are so much more than that. It's an emotional connection. It's something that, you know, signals trust and connectivity and a relationship, good brands establish relationships with, with their audience. So regardless if it's healthcare or anywhere else in the industry from even you know, technology or automobiles or um, you know, lifestyle, brands, strong brands are really resilient and create that emotional connection. In women's health, uh, same thing. The, the brands that get women that really understand why they do what they do, what we want, what we think about, and really have that strong emotional connection are the ones 
specifically in healthcare and beyond that are going to gain attention as well as uh, develop that relationship with their consumer or their clinician or whoever they're targeting. And I guess with regards to kind of women's health, I understand the importance of branding. And I think there's some like kind of companies that are or groups of doctors that have like really focused on the brand. And so you'll kind of walk into the clinic and it doesn't matter who you see because you have the whole brand that you're kind of, that the patients are kind of like relying on or kind of engaging with. But I guess with women's health, is it I'm just using it as an example, but does it make sense that one could develop a brand specifically for women and like create a startup like that's targeting and like, I mean, I guess, distinguishing its population versus like a hospital that's catering to theoretically everyone? I absolutely think that we need companies that specifically focus on women. And we've seen a lot of, of digital health companies that have had a lot of success from Maven to Tia to, to other companies that, you know, are really doing well by understanding specifically what women want, what they can get and what they need. I think from a hospital system perspective, um, we are seeing a lot of innovation happen from systems that are specifically targeting women and that will only grow. As you see in the future to five or 10 years out, what are the innovations in women's health care that you think might be most transformative? Definitely. I think, um, you know, last year, so in digital health, specifically focused on women's health, there was uh, 1.3 billion in funding that was um, invested in women's health companies, specifically around digital health. These companies specifically that did receive a lot of attention were focused on comprehensive care. So more than just pregnancy, more than just fertility, these are companies that are focusing on, you know, chronic care, mental health, emotional well-being, and, you know, also fertility and all the way through end of life. I think there are a few strong brands and, and many more that are just emerging, like Caraway that just launched a few days ago, and I'm excited to learn more about. Tia is a really great strong brand. You know, they're talking about healthcare that treats the whole you. They offer a blended care model that talks about physical and mental and emotional health. Again, a lot of people talk to women just about fertility and pregnancy. And, you know, as you know, and your audience knows, it's about so much more than that. So, you know, who else might be leaders? Um, we're looking at Maven, who you know, started as women's health specific. Now they're talking about women and their families, which is a signal in the right direction for offering that comprehensive care. You know, as we think about looking at the future and what some predictions might be as it relates to women's health, looking at different collaborations, specifically with big hospital systems like Mayo Clinic, partnering with companies like Lisa Health to develop midday and specifically focus on solutions for digital health as it relates to menopause for women. Yeah, I think this is a question that I kind of am thinking about how are these, I guess, startup companies kind of integrating and kind of either con kind of competing with the health care systems or kind of working with them. And I know, I believe it was Uva who worked also with Mount Sinai West for to provide fertility care. But I guess, what do you, how do you kind of see that progressing in the future with relation to like these startups and then the larger hospital systems? I think to make a difference, we're going to need to integrate that relationship. So big hospital systems, you know, they have the brick and mortar structure, they have the resources, they have the patients. 
But then we also need the brilliance of our entrepreneurs and our startups to change the way people are thinking about doing healthcare and really creating new ideas. Because if we just if we're just stuck in those four walls of care, nothing will happen, nothing will change. So I, I see as one of the big predictions for the future, you know, a lot of collaboration happening with startups, you know, Silicon Valley, elsewhere in the country and around the world, collaborating with big networks like the Mayo Clinic, like, you know, MD Anderson, et cetera. And kind of continuing with women's health care, this covers a broad range of issues and like across the woman's lifespan, as we've discussed, how can, I guess, is it one company that would cater to all parts of the marketplace? Or do you predict, like, is it better for a company to specifically focus on one aspect of care? I think right now we're seeing a lot of single focused solutions, right? Where, you know, Carrot is just talking about fertility. I think where, where we're going to move in the future is to this, this connected care. So those that are really focused on a comprehensive solution. So we will see likely a lot of roll-ups to make a unifying proposition for women's health, because I don't know about you, but I don't need 10 apps that are dedicated to my health, right? Especially women's health. So I want one solution that will, you know, kind of move with me through my entire life, whether that be, um, you know, a company like Maven that delivers that or Tia or company TVD. In addition to women's health, you also specialize in the transformation of healthcare with generational change. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that and kind of what are the ways that Gen Z uses healthcare differently? So fascinating. So, you know, one of the things that Linus that we did a few years ago, right before the pandemic, had said, you know, okay, so Gen Z is just about to graduate. They're entering med school. And again, this was back in 2019. We wanted to understand what do they think of health? How do, you know, how does this generation, and again, it's easy to say a generation at whole, we know that there are differences in, in you know, in, in how people um, react and, and go about healthcare. But if you look at um, that population specifically, what we found in 2019 was really, this was a generation that, you know, encompassed everything about health. Health wasn't just physical health. Health was really integrated well-being. And what we found in the research that we did with a, a thousand Gen Zers was that mental health was health. This enabled us to, um, to take a look at this generation and, and specifically um, the population that we studied. And we put a name on it and we called them Gen Well. And as Gen Well, thinking about how they wanted to get care, where they're getting care today, what are they thinking about? Is it more about chronic care? at this early age, or is it about preventative care? Really, it was about preventative. So then the pandemic, the pandemic happened, right, or is still happening. And we went back out again and said, okay, you know, two years later, what's on the minds of Gen Z? Have their perspectives changed? Um, what's happening? And we found very similar findings that, you know, for, before the pandemic, as well as after the pandemic, and just a couple of stats that I'll share first about Gen Z is that, you know, 70% of Gen Z um, describe themselves as being really healthy. 
And that's actually less than what our 60 to 79 year olds, 80% of our 60 to 79 year olds are saying they're healthy. So Gen Z thinks of themselves as a little less healthy. Mostly that's because of mental health. The reason, one of the reasons that, you know, we're, we're looking at this population specifically is to understand how do they want to access care, get care, and they want this haptic experience. So what does that mean? So this is this hybrid experience. So being able to, yes, I want to go see my doctor in person, but then I also want to be able to access that virtually as well. So whether that be telemedicine or text medicine, so being able to have a lot of different options, but we still do want to see people in person. So Mm -hmm. that cannot go away. Given that all these changes, I think with the rise of kind of virtual care, electronic monitoring, kind of also the popularity of supplements and wellness, this is kind of changing, I think, how healthcare is viewed, especially I guess among Gen Z, among people who are healthier also, maybe not really sick individuals. How do you kind of see your role as a consulting firm to kind of take advantage of these changes? Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily taking advantage of them, but but it's really about understanding why things are happening and helping our clients understand what people want. Again, rather, you know, whether that's a, uh, a scientist or, you know, an OBGYN or a pediatrician or, you know, our, our parents, what is it that they want? What is it that they need? And then how can the health and wellness industry deliver that to them? Again, it's all rooted in, you know, delivering the right solutions versus, hey, we just made this great technology, let's force it on people, right? So I think there's there's a lot that's happening from, from that perspective of, you know, we can design something, so let's just make it versus really understanding what people want and need. I would love to maybe hear more about your own kind of personal journey and your perspective on, I guess, how you situate within that whole healthcare world and innovation, um, and maybe also provide some advice to our listeners who are also interested in kind of doing what you're doing. Sure. So what's great about being a consultant, clearly I found my place after doing it for 15 years. I mean, I'm just kind of stuck in it, um, which I love is being able to look across the entire industry and also even outside of healthcare, look at lifestyle, what's happening in technology to really bring all of these, these disparate points together. And that's where innovation happens. That's where you can get different thinking, new thinking, and, you know, being able to, to guide leaders and helping them make transformative decisions. So, you know, whether that be a diagnostic company that is now saying, okay, we want to not target scientists anymore, or also um, target scientists, but then also we want to talk to the consumer. As a consultant, because we've worked across all these different spaces, we have those insights, we have that knowledge to be able to help guide them. And then also by doing that primary research, and again, understanding, I, I know I talk about this a lot, what do people actually want? What is it that, what are those gaps? What are those those pain points that they have and how can we deliver and develop for them differently in terms of advice. I think you said something like, how do you get into consulting? Um, I, you know, a lot of companies recruit right out of undergrad. We're looking for, you know, thinkers that are curious 
that are are people that are curious about anything. So it's it's one of these you get a new book and you're really excited to read it, no matter what the topic is. So curiosity, strategic thinking, and then just the ability to kind of go where people might not have thought about going before. So there's not often a playbook with with every question that that clients come to us with us with. And so not being able to um, not do the hard things, right? How do you decide kind of who you take on as clients or do they, do they approach you? Do you approach them? And then how do you go about deciding between them and how many clients also you do take on at a time? Sure. So um, I'll answer your first question. um, And that is how do clients find us? Oftentimes it's based on past relationships. So clients will come to us. We've worked with you before. You've helped us in this situation. I've now moved to a different company and I want that same, I want to have that same type of challenge. So a lot of our business at Linus comes from existing relationships. And the second question is, you know, how do you decide who you want to work with? So oftentimes it's, it's about, is it a good fit from a personality perspective, from the capability perspectives that we have, and can we actually help you? So our team will talk about, you know, can we help this client? Is this a challenge that we want to take on? And then does it fit with what we do best? So that's often where often how we make those decisions. So I know we touched on this a little bit before, specifically related to women's health, but can you share some predictions you have for the future of healthcare and what you're excited about? Sure. I'm, there's a lot that I'm excited about in terms of where we're headed next. You know, as we all know, the pandemic has changed a lot. It's accelerated innovation, specifically in digital health. And there's three things that I think will, um, will my predictions for the future of digital health. So first, today, we're all doctor consumers, right? We are doing COVID tests at home. We are, you know, doing virtual visits with our physicians. But we're not all very good at it. And my prediction for the future, and this might take a while, but we will all have the the resources that we need to be able to make those decisions and to be able to, you know, have the education that we need. We'll also be able to, to say, no, I don't want to be the doctor consumer. I only want to speak with my clinician. I only want to go to the, you know, the traditional four walls of care and don't make me do a COVID test at home. Don't make me talk to the pharmacist at Walgreens to get care. So I feel like that doctor consumer, we will all have the ability and the power to be doctor consumer and feel supported. But then also to say, no, I actually, I just want to rely on my expert. The second one is about giving consumers direction and giving patients direction over just, you know, throwing out lots of data to them. And so right now in digital health, you know, specifically with things like the Apple Watch, you're just getting feeds of data, or if it's a remote patient monitoring device, and our poor physicians are having to, you know, when consumers or patients come into the office, they're having to go through this data, they don't know how to interpret the data. And I feel like, and I want new companies and existing digital health companies to to be able to guide physicians, guide clinicians, as well as patients over here are the recommendations that we have for you. Finally, the third one that will really change the future of care 
is understanding and really relying more on social context. So where can initiatives with public health plus traditional healthcare come together to make simple, simple changes? So, you know, recently we attended the Aspen Ideas Festival Health. Focus there is on public health. What can we do to make changes in our system to develop better outcomes? And even things as simple as, you know, putting grass in an empty parking lot reduced violence in certain neighborhoods, right? It's things as simple as prescribing food as medicine to help people with chronic conditions. So um, those three things, again, enabling that doctor consumer, figuring out how to, you know, provide direction over data, and then really helping that social context, I believe, and I hope, we're all hoping that will change the future of healthcare and specifically digital health. And who do you predict will be building these companies? Maybe like, have you noticed certain personality traits of the different people you've kind of worked with over the years and the different skill sets that they have and kind of bring to the table? Sure. So a lot of grit, right? A lot of perseverance. So I can do what someone else hasn't done before. So those that are persistent, that can say yes to doing hard things. Those that are curious really, and looking for different ways of of doing something, figuring out different solutions. And then also, finally, those that have a passion for for health, whether that be you are, you know, in med school today, or maybe you've had a personal health issue or an experience um, with a family member. So really having that passion for healthcare is really important because as you know, it's hard to innovate in healthcare. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of policies for good reason, but you really have to have that passion to do something different. So a lot of our audiences are individuals who are early in their careers. You've already given a little bit of advice for <laughs> people wanting to enter the space. Do you have any, have you had any mentors um, or other female kind of founders or other kind of female mentors that you've looked up to? founder of the consulting firm that I was at prior to Linus. Um, Her name is Heather Dupre. And she was and is one of my, you know, favorite people to go to for advice. She founded her own company. She was a, uh, you know, female executive when that really wasn't a thing. And just her positivity, her creative thinking, her innovation, um, and her support, and really, Um, We talk a lot about mentors as cheerleaders, and she was that person for me and is that person for me. So, but yeah, I've been lucky to have some great mentors, both male, male as well as female. And as we kind of are wrapping up the conversation, this has been really great so far. I've definitely loved kind of your thoughts and takes on the different kind of changing healthcare landscape. What is kind of one book you recommend, um, especially for kind of aspiring entrepreneurs, investors, or innovators in healthcare? Great question. And I have a a long list, but I'll share one. (laughs) So I love, and anyone that knows me, um, loves anything that comes out of Adam Grant's mouth. (laughs) So, or, um, so Adam Grant is a professor at the Wharton School. He is a very famous author, speaker, and his last book uh, called Think Again is one of my favorites. He talks about, and it's really important for those of us in healthcare, or at least the health and wellness industry to have the ability to rethink and unlearn because there's so much tradition based in the way that we deliver care. 
And this book that Adam Grant uh, wrote and published, I think it was last year, called Think Again is one of my favorites. And so read it, follow Adam Grant on Twitter, his daily doses or every now and then about leadership and motivation. They're so relevant. And I'm kind of obsessed with him. That's probably an understatement. (laughs) That's great. I'll buy the book right after this. (laughs) (laughs) And do you have any kind of final message or takeaway that you want to leave our listeners with? Just be curious. And um, when when someone tells you that you can't do it or that's not possible, think again and come back with a different way, a different approach. And don't be afraid to do the hard things. Thank you all for listening. Visit us on Instagram at Thea Healthcare, on Twitter at ThiaHC, and on our website at ThiaHC.org for more content and to join our vibrant community of young professionals, entrepreneurs, investors, and thought leaders in healthcare. Special thanks to our amazing audio editors, Ellie Park, Asim Jain, Nikita Gupta, and Katie Donahue. If you're enjoying our content, please consider supporting our podcast by donating at anchor.fm slash thea-hc slash support.